Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Church Online. I hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving with your family or wherever it is that you were celebrating. I hope it was a restful, incredible time together. Today, we're taking a step outside of a normal series that we would be in, and we're, we're just bringing a stand-along message. And if you got your notes wherever you are, you can pull those up. The title is My Greatest Impact, and really this message is for us, for me even personally, kind of an alignment message. One of these moments, a moment where we can just open God's Word and we can say, God, okay, renew, bring me back to the center. Bring me back to the center of my faith and where I am, and, and uh, how can I live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. And, and really, it's this idea that Jesus came, came, comes along after hundreds, even thousands of years of the law being given, people having to live a certain way, really, unless you were Jewish, not even being invited in to that relationship. The Jewish people had to follow 613 different laws. Now, come on, if you're sitting there today, you can imagine that, that had to be really, really hard to stay in alignment. It had to be really, really difficult to stay in the faith if there were 613 different rules that you had to follow. And if you messed up one, even a little, you were out of the will of God. And then along comes Jesus, and Jesus really simplifies everything. He calls us all to a higher standard, but he does it in a simple way. And I'll I'll read a passage of Scripture to you this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 22. You can read it with me. He says this. He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus tells us everything is summed up not in 613 different rules or regulations, but in two things that we need to remember. Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to simplify our life. I think you would agree with me if you're listening or tuning in from wherever you are today that it's been a difficult year. It's been a complicated year. Uh, Our relationships are more complicated. Our jobs are more complicated. Our life, our family, everything's more complicated. What if if we could simplify things and in doing so begin to discover again how to live our lives on purpose? Jesus said it this way, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus always calls us to simplify things. And I think in doing so, in simplifying all of the complicated things we've walked through or been living through in 2020, I think that simplifying it would allow us this opportunity just to take a breath of fresh air and begin to discover life on purpose again. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive into just three things. I'm going to share with you three things today that I think will help us realign our spirits, realign our hearts back into a purposeful, discovering life on purpose, a purpose-filled life uh, with Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Man, we're just grateful for your word. I pray that you would open it, that you would illuminate your word to us today. God, that we would, we're not just tuning in. We're not just checking something off of a to-do list. But, Father, we're in your presence. So, Father, I pray in this moment that you would do what only you can do. Open up our hearts. Perform spiritual surgery on our hearts so that we can live a life on purpose that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, top three things that I think we need to do in our lives. Number one, love God. That's simple, right? Just love God. 
God. Jesus said it. Love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. 1 John talks about it this way. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 16. He says, We know how much God loves us. For we, and we've put our trust in His love because God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Verse 17 says, And we, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And then it goes on in verse 19, it says this, We love each other. We only even know what love is. We love each other because He first loved us. Now we're reading this in English, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says love an awful lot of times. And in America, in our culture, in our language, and it just is what it is, there's not very many definitions. There's, not, there's one way. So we, can, we see love in a whole bunch of different ways. And in the Greek language, there were five actual words to, to describe what love is. And it's interesting to me that in this passage, all the times that it says love, all of it is mentioned in one form. And the word is agape, the agape love. It's a self-giving love. Love. It implies not just a desire or a feeling, but it's a decision. You see, love God is a decision. It's a decision of the will to be committed, come what may, no matter what happens. Unfortunately, in our culture, we're taught that love, by and large, is an emotion, that it's a feeling. So many people can fall in love and fall out of love. I fall in love, I fall out of love. That's just kind of the cycle that we find ourselves in because we don't always necessarily understand completely what it means to actually authentically love someone. And when it says, for God so loved the world, don't you know that his love was never based on an emotion or on a feeling? This is the kind of love that endures in every season, through every moment, through every circumstance, even when times are difficult, and feelings may not remain as they once were. It involves a complete and total commitment. So really, a, a good way to say this, when I say love God, is commit to God. Be fully committed, no matter what. It's not based on an emotion. It's not based on a feeling. Maybe if you're like I am, at some point over 2020, you've had a lot of questions for the Lord. You've went to prayer and you've asked God lots of questions, many starting with why. Why now? Why this? Why me? Why us? Lots of questions. God's not afraid of our questions. He just wants our commitment. He so committed himself to us. He demonstrated his love so that the only way we even know what it looks like is because of him. Verse 19, remember, we love because he first loved us. His love for us was unconditional. It wasn't based on emotion or merit or anything we could have done to earn it. He loved us unconditionally. So the question is, why so often is my love conditional? In 2020, I've discovered that feelings have played a leading role in most people's decisions, relationships, even their worship, everything. And I've learned this over the years that feelings are a great indicator of my circumstance it's, a good, it's good to notice them. They're real. It's a good indicator, but they're horrible leaders. Love is not a feeling. It's not. It's not an emotion. What does heart, soul, and mind mean 
We read it a while ago in Matthew, in, in, in the gospel, where Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If God loved us, if that word love is, is what he's calling us to, what does it mean to do that? Because it's not an emotion. What does it mean to do that with my heart, my soul, and my mind? If this agape love, if this commitment to God is more of an action than an emotion, what does that look like? Maybe you want to write these down. It looks like it looks like my actions as relates to my desires. Am I conforming my desires to those things that please God? What about our affections? That we love those things that God loves. Come on, God, mold me, shape me to be more like you. I'm going to love you. I'm committed to you. So my desires, man, help my desires to be what you desire. Help, the, help me love the things that you love. What about our purpose? Come on, do you even know what that is? Have you discovered what that is for your own life? The things that we pursue most in our life, that God would give us a purpose. What about our will? What about the things that I choose to do, that we choose to do good in our lives? Come on, these are commitments that we're making. I love God with my heart, my soul, and my mind. Come on, my feelings. Do I, do I tell my feelings to take a back seat? Or like many in 2020, have I allowed my feelings, not just in the front seat, but they've taken over the driver's seat in my life. What about my character? Come on, that we pursue holiness and godliness and purity. This one's last but certainly not least, my thoughts, the things that I dwell on. What about that we would meditate on the truth of God's word and live every day in light of it? I've learned this, that loving God is not about me trying harder. We'll never succeed if we just try. It's not about behavior modification. It's about committing to who he is. My love for God is a direct overflow of his demonstrated love for me. So number one, top thing, Jesus says, love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. Come on, that encompasses every part. It's more than an emotion. When I wake up tomorrow and I don't feel it, I'm struggling. Anxiety's taking over. Uh, uh, my job is, is, is going south. My marriage is struggling. It's not about my feelings. Come on, God, I trust you, so I'm committed to you because I love you. Number two, if you're taking notes, love people. Come on, these are simple. Elementary, right? Love God, love people. Jesus simplified everything. How many of you know that simple is not easy? A lot of times it's all, it's all easier said than done. First John goes on to tell us, he, said, uh, he, he says this, he says, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot even love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we had from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here's what that's saying. Come on. My commitment to God is a direct, is a, is a mirror of my commitment to people. My love for people will tell the world whether or not I even love God. And so many of us, come on, we say we have a love for God, but we treat one another horribly. I've seen so many times over, over, the, over the course of this year where we've just kind of lost it. Even as believers, as followers of Jesus, we, do, we don't treat each other like we should. And the Bible tells us, listen, if you say you love God, but you can't love your brother, remember, it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. I love 
Because I'm committed to it. Come on, God would never command us to do something that's impossible. Did you know that? It's a command. Come on, and this command we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. Come on, I know we all use our kids as illustrations a lot, but you kind of bear with us because, come on, we're in the thick of it, growing, raising young children. But it's kind of like when I give my kids an instruction that they 100% know they can do. They've got this skill set. They can absolutely accomplish the task that I'm giving them. But often as I'm training them and uh, learning how to keep their responsibilities and keep their word, oftentimes I get right back as a kid, but I can't do it. I need your help. I'm not good enough or whatever. We get all of that with the kid, with our kids. And like with my oldest, my daughter, I tell her often, sweetheart, I'm not going to help you in this moment because I know I've given you the, the responsibility and I know you have the gifting, the, the skill set to accomplish that task. And the Lord is saying that to many of us, even in our relationships. We say, I can't love that person. And God is saying, I would never command you to do something that I knew that you could not do. Many of us are just refusing to walk in the commitment that we say we have to Him. And Scripture is teaching us that if we don't have that commitment to people, then it's quite honestly, we don't have the commitment to Him. You've heard this said over the years, I got to love you but I don't got to like you. You ever heard that? Or maybe you've said that at some point. Come on. Uh, anybody got any folks in your life that you've said that to coming right out of Thanksgiving? You've probably sat at dinner tables with someone just this week who you have said that very same thing about. I got to love them, but I don't got to like them. That statement for many, I think, it's just a way to not take responsibility for people in their lives. I would submit that God would never have bankrupted heaven for a people that he didn't like. Don't you think? He would have never sent his only son to die in hopes that we would be rescued if he didn't like us. See, here's what I've learned, that you can like someone and not love them, but you can't love someone and not like them. It's got to be all in. It's not based on an emotion or a feeling. No, we love people no matter what they look like. Red, yellow, black, white, gay, straight, Democrat, Republican, nice, mean, rich, poor. We love people. We demonstrate it to people because he demonstrated it to us. My love for you isn't based on your actions toward me. My love for you cannot be based on your merit. It's got to be because God demonstrated it to me, so I love you just like I love myself. There's a famous video on YouTube from Penn and Teller, the, the, the magicians, and Penn's a well-known atheist, and, and in this video, he talks about a gentleman who had attended one of his shows and had come back the second night, and he went to visit him behind backstage, and, and he gave him a Gideon Bible, and he just was very respectful to him and, and just began to share his faith. And he said, I could, he, said, he said, of all of my years, I've seen so many people who claim to be believers, but they're so worried about a perception or hurting somebody's feelings or, 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 or being embarrassed based on somebody's response to them sharing their faith or loving someone. And he says this, as, a, as he's still an atheist, he said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that if they don't trust in a Savior, that they're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell and not tell them? How much do you have to hate people in your life 
We say we love people. How much do we have to, how much, how much disdain do we have for people to really know that they're going to live a, an eternity apart from God and not tell them? He said it this way. He said, certainly if I saw you out in the street, whether I knew you or not, and I saw a bus coming and it was me and I was the only one that was going to be able to help you, at some point, there's a, there's, a, there's a some point along the way where I tackle you and I pull you out of harm's way if you don't get out of harm's way yourself. And, he's, and he said, all I can say, he said, I'm not saying that I believe in Jesus. I'm not saying that I even believe uh, this whole God thing. All I'm saying is that was a really, really, really good man. We see a man who took a chance, who believed that, that God so loved the world, so he was even going to love someone that he didn't even know, but he was going to share the love of Jesus with him. How am I, what am I doing outside of myself for the cause of others? Come on, am I proactively seeking opportunities to serve others? No strings attached. You don't have to do anything for me. It's not about your kindness to me. It's about God's love demonstrated to me through me to you. Love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. How's my attitude toward those that I disagree with lately? Come on, if my actions aren't louder than my words, the Bible says that I'm a dishonest person. Does that make sense? We say we love God, but we hate our brothers. We're liars. The Bible says this, and uh, uh, it, it tells us to love one another like ourself. What are your actions looking like? What are they demonstrating to the world around you? And then number three, I'll share with you. Don't quit. Love God, love people, and don't quit. I love 2 Corinthians 1.8. Come on, it's been a tough year. We say it all the time. It's been difficult. It's been hard. I know people who have quit. I know people who have given up, who are at that breaking point. But I love this passage, such an encouragement from Paul in 2 Corinthians. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Come on, you want to underline that if you're taking notes. Maybe you want to write that down if you're in a place where you can. And we thought we would never live through it. Come on, in 2020, how many of us have been to that point? We're at that point. Hey, I think you just need to know, dear brothers and sisters. Hey, I think you need to know. uh, Maybe you're calling someone, letting somebody know. I just think you need to know it's been hard. I've been crushed and overwhelmed beyond my ability to endure. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even know if I would live through it. In fact, he says, we expected to die. There's ever been a more relevant time uh, passage of scripture that I think more people can relate to. It's been this. It's been difficult. He says this. He goes on to say, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves, and we learn to rely on God, who raises the dead, and He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. Come on, we have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue. To rescue us. 
Come on, what does that look like for you today? It's been a difficult life. It's been a difficult season. Man, I've struggled to love God in this season. Come on, he's not afraid of your frustration. God's not afraid of your anger and bitterness. He's not, he's not worried that you would question the circumstances that you find yourself in. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't uh, make him love you any less than he already loves you. The Bible says this in Romans, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not principalities or demons or angels up in heaven or below or around the earth, not your sin, not even your anger or your questions could cause God to love you any less than what he does. You can't be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So we know many of us have struggled to commit to an authentic love of God, and we've really struggled to commit to an authentic love of people. And as a result, listen, as a result, it has brought, brought us to the cliff of quitting. It's brought us to the edge of, man, is it even worth it? And so we have bought into the lie of isolation. We've bought into the lie of loneliness. We've bought into the lie of being alone and being pulled away from community. And because of all of those things, man, we're ready to quit. We're ready to give up. I know there's people under the sound of my voice who feel very similar emotions here as we close up toward the end of 2020. It's hard. Come on, the enemy seems to be winning in many areas. And we don't see an end in sight. All of that kind of reminds me of a day a little over 2,000 years ago when the enemy thought he had won. And the Bible says the whole world turned dark and all hell celebrated. And then three short days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Come on, the fact that we're here today is proof that God got us through our yesterday. The fact that I'm standing here today is proof that he walked me through it before. And if he walked me through it before, don't I know that it builds my faith that he can do it again? I love, come on, we can read it again. He says, as a result, it was hard. I walked through it. I didn't know that we were going to live. We were crushed even beyond our ability to endure. But as a result, I stopped relying on myself and I learned to rely on God. Who is listening to the sound of my voice today, that this is what you need to hear. We're walking through this season so that we can begin to stop relying on our own abilities. Come on, you've relied on that same career for the last 25 years and all of a sudden it's gone and you don't know what to do and where to turn and this is an opportunity for you to stop relying on yourself and start relying on God. Come on, you struggled in your marriage for the last 10 years and you've tried everything in your own strength to rescue and to save and to do what you thought you needed to do. And this is a moment where you realize you've come to this uh, point in your life where it's not getting any better and you don't know what to do. You're going to begin to rely on God. In 2020, it's, it's ironic. You, you would think in 2020 in the isolation that we found ourselves in over the last nine or, nine or so months that there would be a baby boom. But instead, there's a divorce increase. Come on, marriages are struggling more than they ever have. And maybe at this point, husband, wife, you can take the responsibility off for yourself and just trust God. The fact is that many this season are ready to quit. And maybe you can begin to make this decision. I'm going to stop relying on myself. I'm stopping relying on my career, my relationship, my abilities, my money, my stuff, and I'm going to start relying on God. There's a famous passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. 
It says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, contrary to popular belief, this verse wasn't written for those running marathons or playing sports or accomplishing some impressive feat. It was the truth that Paul had learned from his season in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where he said, there was something going on. We were crushed beyond what we could endure. But Paul said, I've learned that I can do anything through Christ that gives me strength. Come on, I thought I wouldn't make it, but I did because of Jesus. I didn't know my marriage would survive, but it has because of Jesus. I didn't think I could ever overcome that addiction. I didn't think I would ever restore the relationship with my children. I didn't think I would ever uh, earn my uh, a placement in a career that was actually worth anything at this point because I've messed it up so many times. But thanks be to God through his son Jesus, something happened. I've stopped relying on myself and I've started relying on him. And as a result, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, don't quit. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep pressing. Keep showing up. Keep loving God. Keep loving people. And I promise you, you'll begin to see God do more in you than you could ever dream or imagine. It's a lot simpler than what the world makes it out to be. It's not so complicated. Love God. Love people. And don't quit. Here's what I know. The greatest influence belongs to those who stay the longest. What's my greatest impact in the world? Come on, let's draw it all back to center. What what am I here for? Why are you still breathing? Of all of the things that have happened in 2020 and all of the horrible circumstances that we've all found ourselves in, why me? Why am I still here? Can I tell you? Because God's got a purpose for your life. And it's a way simpler process than all of the complicated things that we find ourselves in. Love God. Love people. Don't quit. What's he calling you to do today? What's he calling you to do in your life? Who's he calling you to serve? Your sphere of influence. The greatest impact your life could ever have is yet to be seen. If you don't quit, if you don't give up, come on, don't quit on your faith or your marriage, or your kids, or your friends, or your people. Don't quit. Trust God, and He'll bring you through it. I want to pray with you right where you are. Maybe you're here today, and you're listening, and you're saying, Brandon, that's me. Man, it's been real hard for me to trust God in this season. It's been really hard for me to love people in this season. And if I'm really, really honest, I've wanted to quit more times than I can count. Maybe you're here today and you have quit. Maybe you're here today and you've pushed pause on your faith in this season. You've seen, like Gandhi, Gandhi has this famous quote when they're asking about Christianity. And they said, what do you, what's your problem with Christianity? He said, no, no, no. He said, you're Christ I love. It's your Christians that I don't get. Maybe you've seen people professing to be Christians, not living a life on purpose and making decisions that are way contrary to the truth of God's word. Maybe... Today, maybe today you can confess that what you've seen hasn't been what God has said. And maybe your life can begin fresh and new when you realize that a relationship with God has nothing to do with other people. Maybe today is the day that you begin that brand new relationship with Him. So right where you are, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to commit our lives back to Him. We're going to say, God, I love you. 
and my commitment is for you. So, Father, forgive me of my sins. Father, I pray that you would do what your word says. Throw it as far as the east is from the west, never to bring it up again. And God, I'm going to commit my life to you. And from this day forward, I'm going to live a life on purpose that honors you. I'm going to love people. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on my career. I'm not giving up on my family, my kids, my friends, my relationships. God, I give it all over to you that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor out of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.